The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the RPGBot.News. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And also Ash Eli. Hey, guys. All right, Tyler, what are we doing tonight on the news? Cobalt Press has released yet another wonderful supplement that we're going to talk about. This time they've released the Book of Ebon Tides. Now, this is a uh, kind of a setting book for their settings equivalent of the Shadowfell. It's a very cool it's got a lot of interesting stuff in it, and I'm excited to talk about it. Okay, and so, you know, for folks who are familiar with the Shadow of Fell, they've essentially scraped the serial numbers off, come up with something really cool, and then kind of given us some expensive content for it, right? I guess for folks who maybe are less familiar with the Shadow Fell, uh, or Shadow Realm in this case, can we describe what it's all about? Have you seen Stranger Things? Sure have, buddy. <laughs> I don't know uh, if you okay, remember, so... but we talked about it at one point. <laughs> We sure did. <laughs> um, so think of the real world. That's the prime material. Um, think of that like a coin. Now, the coin itself is the prime material. The shiny part on top is the Feywild. The dirty part sitting on the ground underneath the coin is the Shadowfell. Like, they're very much, like, right up against the prime material. but. Uh, the Shadowfell is terrible and bad, and the Feywild is bad and terrible. Well, we should uh, we should make a distinction here. Uh, <laughs> they refer to it as the Shadow Realm. Yes. And it is quite different from the Shadowfell in D&D. Um, we'll go into detail later, but it's actually... I mean, it's bad there, but it's at least livable. Like, there's a whole society and culture that lives in the Shadow Realm. Um, and as long as you know the proper etiquette, you'll probably be fine. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk through. Let's do an overview. What all are we getting in the Book of Eventides? So first thing you're going to get is a lot of setting info. This is primarily a setting book, so it's... It's a setting book for an entire plane of existence, which, I mean, fitting that much into one book is conceptually difficult, and I think they did a pretty good job. It, yeah, it's a whole new setting. There's some unique mechanics around how the plane works, how it's attached to other planes of existence in Cobalt Press's Midgard setting. Like, there, there's deities and creatures and these weird roads that go places and, like... The, the plane expands and shrinks like an accordion, which uh, it, it's a whole thing. Like, I, I can't do it all justice in the space of this episode. Um, you're also going to get a lot of character options because there's always character options, and I love that. Um, 
races, subclasses, spells, magic items, cool stuff like that. And of course, it's Kobold Press. They do monsters really well. So we got like 100 pages of new monsters. They look pretty neat. Yeah, they do. Awesome. awesome. So if, if I'm a person picking this book up, um, is it kind of everything I need? Are there other Kobold resources that would be useful for me in order to pick this book up and use it? Uh, you can use it mostly standalone. Uh, there are a few places where it references things from uh, Tome of Heroes, Deep Magic, and the the line of the Kobold Press monster book. So that's Tome of Beasts, Creature Codex, etc. You don't strictly need those to use this book, but there will be places where it's like, oh yes, here's this NPC. Use this stat block for them from Tome of Beasts. Or like... Uh, um here's this deity they have these domains which are described in deep magic things like that um there are some sub races for races which have been previously published in cobalt press supplements uh, all of those races appear in tome of heroes but they've been reprinted in book of ebon tide so that you don't have to go get tome of heroes just to use the races okay that's pretty good yeah, that's awesome. Cool. So let's hop into it. So we said, you know, okay, the Shadow Realm, it's kind of like Shadowfell, but it's not really. It's got its own quirks to it. Uh, yeah, let's dive in. What is the Shadow Realm all about? So the Shadow Realm has a lot of similarities, I think, to Limbo in D&D in the fact that it is constantly changing. Um, not not in, as a near constant rate like in Limbo, but it does change. It's through the titular mechanic of the world called Ebentides, which are... Uh, every so often, like a mountain will just get up and walk around and move somewhere or a river will redirect or sometimes an entire town will just decide, Hey, I'm going to move over here now. Um, and And people, not the townspeople, the actual town, the whole, yeah, just the actual (laughs) town. Yeah. Yeah, That's why. Okay. And, uh, people can exert control certain powerful spellcasters and fae can exert control over this uh this world if they know how to but most people get around through what are called shadow roads which uh are needed to constantly be maintained they're like the only permanent fixtures in the world um and they're constantly maintained and redirected to go to new places and uh one of the things that i thought was really funny was Apparently, it really sucks to be a cartographer in the Shadow Realm because you're constantly (laughs) having to update maps all the time. But it is an evergreen field because there will always be a call for your services. Whereas, you know, usually, if you're a cartographer, after you've mapped the world, no one needs to buy maps from you anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I've never been at a map store and asked the person behind the counter how fresh these are. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um... But the main thing is that the Shadowfell has a lot of fey court plots. The Shadow Realm. Shadow Realm. My bad. Tomato, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, tomato. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the, the, I, I, I forget the name that they gave, they gave the fey. It's something like. I think it uh, is just Shadow Fey. No, there's a, there's a, there's a Irish. Name that I'm going to mispronounce. Let's see. Sealy? No, it's not the Sealy. It would be Unsealy. But no, they call them. Okay. I am sorry for any Irish people. I'm going to try to pronounce this. They call it Skathshe. I, I think that's what it's called. Um, or Shadow Fae. That's the more common term. 
Um, but they're like the they're the diametric equivalent to the Fey in the Feywild. So they tend to be, you know, more evil, um, more hedonistic and stuff like that. Uh, though you can interact with them, but the etiquette to talk to them is very obtuse and very weird. And there's like they have a whole system, which I thought was really cool, of how you can gain and lose favor in the shadow realm <laughs> um and uh some of it is really funny like if you're the victim of a fey prank you're gonna lose some status <laughs> or if you lose a consort's affections you'll also lose some status so stuff that's like not even in your control honestly that feels petty. right yeah yeah <laughs> You can also gain status by pranking a fae, which, all right, yeah. there's, there's a game mechanic around pranking NPCs, everybody. There you go. Yeah, there's also, you, gain, you can gain favor by, you know, gain a successful charisma check to gain a favor, or uh, uh, basically kill a fae creature that is of a challenge rating greater than you in one-on-one -on -one combat, which, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> and that only gets you plus one favor. <laughs> which is minuscule. Um, okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so the way the CR system is meant to be balanced is that typically a party of four, let's say party of three to five, can face one creature of equivalent CR like so many times a day. And so we're basically saying like, well, if you can just one-on-one -on -one a creature of the equivalent that normally you would want your entire party there for, you gain favor. Um, what's the downside of this, though? The downside of, yeah. uh, of like gaining death. favor or... <laughs> the dying part. Oh, okay. yeah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> if you if you lose favor with the people who are in charge of the shadow realm, they're gonna make life probably pretty miserable for you. Um, Is that so worse than death? I forget sometimes. I yeah. I mean, they're evil people, so I, I assume that they'll also try <laughs> maybe. To okay, that's cool. But like huh. uh, some of the things that they talk about with like they have a whole section on etiquette, which kind of reminds me of um, uh, L five R Legend of the Five Rings, where there's all these rules about court etiquette. Um, but like, let's see. Ah, yes, here we go. Do not eat root vegetables. They're disgusting. Uh, don't harm any shadow fey creature outside of an honorable duel. Don't run. It causes one to sweat like a common peasant. Um, Solution. you must, yeah. <laughs> you must have your presence announced in song before entering a room. Uh, civilized folk wear powdered wigs. Uh, clothing made, made of sackcloth is all the rage. Um, true gentlefolk duel with insults, not steel. Hunting is only be, to be done on the sixth day of the week. Only pretentious twits play cards. Uh, all the ladies of court must use illusions to appear as human. I don't know why that's a thing. <laughs> Sexist fake creatures, whatever. Yeah. Uh, boasting of one's own achievements is never acceptable on the second day of the week. But apparently you can boast on it all the other days of the week, just not on the second day. Uh, and one above a certain station must have exactly 13 servants. No more, <laughs> no less. <laughs> now, those, those are all listed as examples of fey etiquette, and they specifically mm -hmm. say, like, these change. Like, these are examples of how weird and confusing this is, and they can change, like, at a moment's notice with n literally no reason. Like, yeah. this is court politics by calvin ball rules like <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a deep dive we, we're hey uh for folks who are unfamiliar with calvin ball there's going to be a link in the show notes 
Um, some of the like some of the rules for gaining status are a little nuts too. Like we talked about the dueling and stuff like that. Uh, one of the rules is if you kill more than one shadow goblin or other shadow face servant, you lose status. Yep. Why do you get a freebie? Why do you get to kill one and that's fine? Because they're lowly creatures. Are you really asking? I mean, I can't be held accountable if I kill a goblin because he got my order wrong. That's just unacceptable. Most of these things restart at the end of the week is like, okay, on the second of the week, you can do this to six. Like, do I get one a week or do I get one ever? Because one ever, honestly, you save that till it's really worth it, right? Well, the, yeah. thing, the thing about it is, is this is arbitrary. Um, and like Tyler said... Before the rule changes, you better get your freebie. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, it's... Um, the, the, the Shadow Fate Court is incredibly chaotic. And I think... I actually really like this because I think that they really leaned into the sort of fair folk energy that used to be really common to fairies in uh in irish mythology they were very fickle what would offend them would change on a nearly constant basis um and it definitely i think leans into it in a way that i don't think mainline D has done all that well like mainline D barely explores the fey wild or fey creatures instead they're just like they're chaotic figure it out <laughs> the closest we've gotten is wild beyond the witch light which uh, go back and listen to the review episode for that but it, yeah i agree it feels like wild beyond the witch light very much leaned into most of the fey are goofy unpredictable nonsense um, and there's a few of them that can sometimes be baddies and then this is very much like okay that that's the Feywild Fey. This is the Shadowfell Fey. Like being cruel, capricious, and frequently mean is basically the baseline. So I want to offer a little bit of clarity. You described the idea of like the Fey Court. So is the idea that there's a single Fey Court, or is are you meant to actually run the setting with lots of Fey Courts with potentially even opposing etiquette? Yeah, there are several different Fey Courts, um, and they all have like their own sort of way that they're run and um you know their own agendas and stuff um i didn't get too deep into that but maybe tyler uh can fill us in a bit more yeah they include uh actually pretty detailed information about how fake courts work so they explain that fake courts come and go uh, very frequently they like rise and fall in power again frequently sometimes it's just like someone has been building this court very successfully for a long time. It has rose in prominence. It's doing very well. They've taken on some like splendid title. Everyone respects them. And then there's times like, Oh, um, you have this wonderful glowing growing court. And then the ebb and tides shifted and all of the land that your court was on no longer exists. And now you're homeless. So like not only are the courts and the people in them very fickle, but the world that the courts are based in is also fickle. Uh, and it works on this feudal system where like you can claim land and give yourself a title and be like, I'm the Marquis de pants or something. And then, uh, yeah, like there's a vague etiquette around like your title can only be so fancy depending on how good your court is. And the better your court gets, the better title you can give yourself. And like, there's listed examples in the book with a bunch of details and named NPCs and like like plot points written into these things. So you you could just 
crack open this book and be like, okay, uh, my players have fallen into the Shadow Realm. Uh, I need to put them somewhere neat. Pick one of the courts at random and say like, okay, you have landed in their territory. Here's the lay of the land. I've got all the details, all the major players, and like you, you've got yourself a setting. You're done. Like, yeah. Okay. So my uh, the leader of my fake court is going to be the emperor who has no clothes. That is uh, that is absolutely something that you could do. And <laughs> maybe the etiquette of the court is that everybody has to be naked in the emperor's presence. But nobody uh, can acknowledge it. Like if you come no, in, you're like, no, "Why is everybody can... naked?" Everybody's like, "Uh, no, you can't do that. Get out of here." Yeah. No. Exactly. <laughs> You cannot acknowledge that everybody's naked. You can't. Yeah. No. Um, but uh, I think the one constant in the shadow in the shadow realm is uh, the queen of night magic. She's basically the queen of the shadow realm. In fact, mm-hmm. if you get her favor, which you can only do once per campaign, that's plus five favor just across mm-hmm. the board, and that's the most that you can get. By contrast, the most you can lose is if you threaten, not attack, not just attack, not even attack, but just threaten a member of the Fae Court. That's instant minus eight status points. <laughs> so it's very hard to gain favor. Just yeah, to the bottom. Very, yep. Okay. Wait. Wait. So we talked about honorable duels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there a difference between enticing to an honorable duel and threatening, or is it really up to the eye of the beholder here? Not I think it's up to the eye of beholder. I mean, we're dealing with Faye, so I think it's kind of up to the eye of the beholder in all wow. of the circumstances. Like, I think what might get one person in trouble would not get another person in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, the Faye are pretty fickle and hip hop and hip, uh, what is the word? Um, hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Not hypocritical. Just to be safe, I not would go for. <laughs> just to be safe, I would go for provoking them to violence. Yes. With your that would be a surefire. That'd be a surefire way to get someone you hate to lose status. If you yeah. get if you go them into threatening you, then there you go. Cool. So we did get new character options in the book. Yeah. Uh, so we just got Tome of Heroes. So like big mountain of character options, and here's Kobold Press with a whole bunch more, and they're still awesome. Yeah, I think we got one per class, but we got two. For clerics, for some reason. <laughs> Which, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, still no artificers because they're not in the SRD. Tragic. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let, let's start with the races because, you know, that's how they're listed in the book. So, Derakul, the like ghoul like race, was introduced as a playable race in Tome of Heroes. They're back and they get two new sub race options. So, it looks like Kobold is planning to continue supporting the Derakul, so as they introduce new races, they'll introduce new Derakul sub-races, which is neat, because it means, like, you know, they'll have good long-term support as long as Kobold Press persists with this. Well, and if I remember yeah. correctly, the way the Derakul worked is that the sub-races essentially came from, like, well, now you're undead, and so you're an undead, uh, you know, I don't know, Githyanki. yeah. Although they're yeah. probably not in the SRD, so I can't use that, can I? No. Nope. <laughs> but as they uh, introduce their own races into their content, they're continuing to support the Derek. Awesome. Okay. Which yeah. they should, because Derek Cool are awesome, and I love them. Would you say yeah. they're cool? <laughs> yes, they're Derek Cool. Ah. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. There. You got one dad joke out of me. I hope you're happy. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, great news, because we're recording this on the third day of the week. 
<laughs> Plus one favor for everyone. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, we got a new version of humans, which is neat. Um, usually like new versions of humans aren't a thing. So it's really cool. It's cool that Kobold Press is going that route. So it looks like changelings within Kobold Press's world are very much the, like, Fae have stolen a human child and replaced them with a changeling rather than, like, the official D&D changeling where they are their own distinct race that does things. Um, so humans, uh, humans that are born and or raised in the shadow realm are called umbral humans quote unquote and you can either be a changeling or you can be i think they're called the blessed i forgot to write that down but the gifted the gifted thank you yes um you get a fey bargain as a racial trait which is really neat like it's just here's this permanent bargain that you have made with a fey in some fashion and like one of them is uh you don't have to eat or drink and you only have to sleep for half as long but you are permanently exhausted it's like ah hey look insomnia mechanics there you go wing lady okay wait what level of exhausted because that's a one just one okay so disadvantage on everything all skill checks that's brutal yeah it Um. sure is (laughs) the other ones aren't quite as brutal like there's one that's like plus six to one ability score minus two to two others like oh i'm gonna min max the heck out of that yeah okay can it move you beyond 20 I can't, but I mean, you could start okay. at 20 at level one, which is pretty great. Mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> There's also bear folk, which I love. Um, they sort of had unofficial rules for them in the uh, Tome of Beasts. I don't, I don't think that they were in the Tome of Heroes, but it's nice to see them here. Um, and you, they also have a shadow bear folk. And the art for him is so good. I love it. It's a it's a rather angry looking bear menacingly pulling out honey from a jar. I, it's beautiful and I love it. Uh definitely get the book just for the art because the art is fantastic. Okay, wait, um, what color is the jar and what color is the bear? The bear is purple. Yeah. Uh, well, blue, I would say. It's more like like light blue. Uh Gray, gray. That's the word. That's the word. It's gray. <laughs> I'm kind of colorblind. It's gray. Um, and it's got all these gnarly tattoos, and it's kind of like snarling. And the honey is very, very gold. <laughs> um, and yeah, like at, when I first looked at it, I thought he was casting a spell because he has like he's putting his hands together and like you know these. It looks like golden energy is coming off of his paws. And I looked more. I was like, oh no. He's holding a honey jar, and he's just menacingly pulling out honey. <laughs> it's like the weirdest I'm gonna make focus you ever. sticky. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm gonna make you sticky. <laughs> oh man, that needs to be a spell. It's fantastic. <laughs> There's also they do have races for the Shadow Fay, which is mm-hmm. good, and they also have two new elves: lunar elves and sable elves. Um, I'm I'm not sure I understood the Sable Elves to be honest, but I think like they are elves that were exiled. Is, uh, am I getting that right? Something like that. Uh, it's like there was some great conflict with the elves. Um, some of the elves fought, 
some of the elves surrendered, some of the elves ran, and the sable elves are the ones who ran. Yeah. Uh, mechanically, you pick a school of magic and you get to build your own innate spellcasting trait using that school of magic. So, like, that's real fun. That's yeah, real so cool. cool. I, I'm going to break it because I can't not, but, like, <laughs> it's such a cool concept. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sable elves are very cool, and the character design for them is really well done. Like, I like the the physical physical art, but I like edgy characters, so that's me. Um, <laughs> and, and they also have for, shadow goblins, which we mentioned before. Actually, I think it's worth doing. So, for folks at home, when you say you get to build your own innate spellcasting trait, what does that actually mean? So, you know how, like, take Drow as an example. They PHB Drow get to cast Dancing Lights, Fairy Fire darkness so cantrip first level spell second level spell so you get to essentially build that trait you pick a cantrip a first level spell and a second level spell they all have to be within one school of magic and then like that is the trait you get and then you get to cast each of those at will like once per day yeah so like if you picked uh evocation you could go like firebolt magic missile and scorching ray like that could be the trait you choose for yourself and yeah you get those spells innately it's nice that is very cool. That's awesome. So what are you what are you giving up to pick that race? Like do you Yeah, that feels really powerful. Is there any sacrifice to it? I no. think that Yeah, I think it's just a choice of elf subrace if I remember right. So like you would choose that instead of like being a high elf or a wood elf or a drow and um other elf subraces will give you more stuff than just innate spellcasting. Like looking at the drow as an example, you get the superior dark vision weapon proficiencies a couple of other minor things but you're locked into that spell casting so in exchange for the flexibility of picking your spell casting you get less other stuff awesome uh there's also just they added a bunch of others which i'm not going to go through all of them but there's <laughs> quick steps which are kind of kind of like quicklings if you know those uh ratatosks which are like squirrel people which is great uh arenas which are porcupine people uh stygian shades ghost essentially uh sublime raven folk <laughs> i'm not sure what that is but yeah and then they have a thing called a satyr which is just so difficult to describe it looks like a cross between a dragonborn and a lizard <laughs> oh yeah they're um they're like a reptilian humanoid race from the far realm yeah like i want to be cthulhu as a race it's, it's really cool it's <laughs> yeah. really cool and then they have something called weird gnomes yeah w-y-r-d because they're weird that way they're weird yeah they're weird <laughs> gnomes uh. yeah weird gnomes are neat they get like a modified version of the diviner wizards portent feature which is pretty cool and like you get a scaling numerical bonus depending on how many other weird gnomes are nearby when you take a long rest. So like your ideal situation is you find the biggest community of weird gnomes you can. Everybody goes to sleep. And then everybody wakes up the next day and we're like, ah, oh, yes, we're going to roll a D 20 plus five today. Yep. Just adventure with a group of all weird gnomes. <laughs> that, like, that, that could be fun. You need 20 to start getting the plus one bonus, so it's got to be a big group. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, we okay, uh, I assume that they have to breathe, right? Yeah. So I can't stick them into a bag of holding and carry them with me. 
how can I get as many weird gnomes with me as possible? That's that's actually what I'm trying to work through right now. <laughs> uh, huh. Put them all how in much stasis. Magic? <laughs> Cast simulacrum. There you go. <laughs> Our army of infinite naked weird gnomes. Perfect. <laughs> hey, so let's talk about some subclasses because we got some of those too. Yeah. I noticed a lot of them lean really hard into the concept of shadow. Like the cleric sub or the cleric domains are probably the biggest exception. Almost everything else is shadow themed or shadow realm themed. Like there's a lot of things that are gonna give you dark vision the ability to produce darkness magical or otherwise the ability to see through magical darkness. So like if, if everyone in your party is looking at the gloom stalker, like I really want to play that, but I don't want to make the rest of my party suffer. Here you go. Now everyone gets to be the guy in the party that produces darkness that no one can see through. Great. <laughs> As a DM, all I can say is yay. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Uh, so what fine. you do is, you make everyone take these characters into the shadow realm where all of the monsters can do this too. True. Just, yeah. And just everyone fights in the dark. No one can see. Everyone is sad. Yeah. Something's running around with Tremor Sense having a great time. <laughs> so the blind samurai fighter with blind fighting is like, I'm in my element. <laughs> but he doesn't know it he's blind. <laughs> <laughs> Why is nobody hitting me right now? <laughs> yeah it's just uh fights in the shadow realm or just oops everybody's blind figure it out <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh what are i don't know if you guys got a chance to look at these but uh which uh subclasses were your guys's favorites i think thematically i really liked the druid you get to turn into a kind of smoky shadow form and one of the features is you can just make someone's shadow attack them mm. Which awesome. Yeah, that is really cool. So cool. Also, the art for it is both very cool and very adorable, and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bear folk druid who looks like he's very excited to show off his shadow magic. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, wholesome bear folk using shadow magic. Yeah, like they do. That, yeah. That's what you expect from bears. Uh, yeah. So I, I played a warlock for the first time fairly recently, and I really enjoyed that. From an RP perspective, as well as actually a little bit of the mechanical, right? So the idea of having this new Patreon, the, the Patreon, yeah, <laughs> this new patron, the Mother of Sorrows, uh, that's like all about, you know, poisoning all of these people, um, able to ignore existence, immunity to poison. I feel like you could probably do something cool with that in an RP way. Uh, and also poison spray too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also did really like the Mother of Sorrows um, in uh thematics fashion and uh, i was we were talking about this before the podcast while i do think that some of its features are a little underwhelming i just have to remind myself that warlock features tend to be underwhelming so that until you like get to 14th level but i will say free uh free hex is very good and also that creatures can't resist your poison spells which is awesome it makes spells that would be useless usually actually worth something also their their spell list is pretty good um and their 14th level capstone ability is incredible which is that uh you basically just paralyze a person for 24 hours which is 
great. <laughs> they don't get to save again. They're just, uh, oh, wait, no, the creature remains paralyzed until it takes damage or is no longer poisoned. But if someone's really, if you don't feel like doing a fight, just paralyze a guy. And if they fail the wisdom save, you can just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> until somebody slaps them. Until somebody yeah. slaps them. Yeah, I think Kobold leaned a little harder into the power this time than they did with Tome of Heroes. Like, Tome of Heroes, sure. everything felt like slightly below average power compared to like official options. So like you'd look at it and like theme is really good, not super powerful. So like nothing, in, I can't say nothing, almost nothing in Tome of Heroes is going to make me worry that my game is going to break. But like these subclasses, they're really good. They're really strong. Like the use of darkness mechanics in a typical campaign is really, really powerful. Um, do not allow the wizard subclass into your game. Uh, a smart player will very, very quickly cause problems with it. Oh, yeah, no, it's very strong. So, okay, what is so broken about it? Uh, among other things, the first level feature is that you can combine two spell slots and produce a spell slot of the total level. So, for example... I'm a high level wizard. I'm going to combine a fourth level spell slot and a fifth level spell slot. And I'm going to cast wish twice today. Yeah. It's, uh, it seems like it's one of those features that seems underwhelming at first because like, Oh, I can spend a burst and a second to get back a third. That's not great. But, uh, you got to wait till you get to the, you get to the higher levels. Cause that's when it really starts to get broken <laughs> when you can just cast. Like, even at low levels, I'd trade a first and, le and second level spell for another fireball. That's true. That's fair. Um, <laughs> you get, I mean, and once you get to a high enough level to cast ninth level, you get two fifth level spells, right? Like, you I can cast, so. so you can cast Wish three times if you wanted to. <laughs> sure could. So, and, I mean, there's nothing stopping you from, like, okay, I take my second level spell and my third level spell, combine them into a fifth level spell, take my fifth level spell that I just created and my fourth level spell. Like, just, you could just melt. Yeah. You could just cast Wish and Only Wish the entire day. <laughs> just keep creating spell slots that allows you to cast Wish. I combine a sixth and a third to get another wish. Combine a seventh go. and a two to get another wish. Combine an eighth and a one to get another wish. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> It's okay. absolutely broken. <laughs> so I, if, if this feels like a really unique uh, mechanic to me, does it explicitly say that you can't create a spell slot higher than ninth level? Nope. Okay, so <laughs> I could maybe combine like two sevens and cast a 14th level fireball if I wanted to. Conceivably. <laughs> I think it may say regain. I can't remember for certain. I'll read the verbiage for you. Okay, okay, that would be a great restrictor. Starting at second level, you can feed energy into your symbiote to transform it. As a bonus action, you can expend two spell slots to recover one spell slot equal to or less than the total combined value of the expended spell slots. For example, you could expend a first level spell slot and a second level spell slot to recover one third level spell slot. That's all it says. Yeah, it does say recover though, which yeah, means recover is the key thing there. Uh, yeah, gotcha. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. it also means okay. you have to use your ninth level spell slot before you go and recover it. And like, okay, so I, like, I, it'll I take you a couple minutes between wishes. This doesn't feel as broken as I was actually expecting it to be when 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 we first brought this up. Mm -hmm. At you know, how many tables ignore the one long rest per twenty four hour period rule? I don't think I've ever been at one but usually it's like okay uh we're gonna wait until nightfall for a long rest either way 
Yeah, I yeah. I pretty much always have enforced the one long rest per twenty four hour rule. Yeah, I feel like unless I'm under DM pressure, it feels to me like usually it's like, oh, the wizard's getting sleepy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the the classic five minute adventuring day. You walk into the first encounter, yeah. wizard burns all their high level spells and says, "Okay, guys, nap time." This is almost, it feels like kind of the same thing. It's like, okay, look, I don't have to take a nap. I still actually have one more of these ready to go. <laughs> I think it kind of depends on what, what, how your table usually runs. For me, I know that um, my game's long rests are very valuable because my players don't try to, like, abuse the long rest. Like, okay, we've only drained for five minutes. I'm going to take a rest. And my players just have never really done that. Um, and... Uh, especially when they're in a hostile area like a dungeon or something, I make it clear to them that long rests are a luxury and not something that they should expect to finish. Um, so a lot of times they are very good about conserving their resources, but with something like this, they could break that incredibly easily. So I think, <laughs> yeah, if you're running sort of fast and loose with the long rest rules, uh, this feature... Might not seem all that broken, but for someone who is maybe a little bit more strict about the long rests, uh, a table that's more strict about the long rests, this feature can be very powerful. Yeah, I, I will say, like, I just wrapped, I think, the first very long one shot that I've ever run where I actually think I got the pacing right. Like, at the end of the game, the wizard was sitting there and it's like, I'm out of spell sauce and I don't know what to do. I, I say that to say, yeah, I do. I get the feeling that this won't be ad. Yeah, it, it won't be that insane. But, you know, I suppose let's see. You know, folks, <laughs> go buy the Book of Ebon Tides. Let your characters maybe rule. Let your characters. Let your characters roll some players. Perfect. Let your players <laughs> roll some of these characters. Let's see how the game goes. Oh, I can already tell that this that the wizard one, this particular feature is going to get a ton of pushback from players. Um, we might even see the Shadow Arcane Tradition wizard ban from a lot of games. That's how you know you either did it really right or really wrong. <laughs> yeah. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You'll find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on RPGBot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. I'm going to send you to the Shadow Realm. Man. I feel like my mom used to say that to me. <laughs>